Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Morning, everyone. We are live from New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. Very cool Tuesday morning at this hour when news broke in January that Ken Griffin bought a $238 million penthouse at 220 Central Park South here in Manhattan. The transaction didn't just set a record for the city's most expensive residential purchase. It also renewed interest in passing a pied-a-terre tax. Elected officials are eyeing a yearly pied-a-terre tax aimed at apartments or houses worth $5 million or more that are not uh, the owner's primary residence. Also at this hour, New York City has the best pizza in the country. That's right, you heard me. And many would argue around the world. Sorry, Chicago is deep dish even pizza. Well, I think it is. But I, I, but, if but there's I, sausage and cheese hey, on hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. But if there's uh, sausage, pepperoni, cheese on it, I, I, I'm agreeing. It's the same thing. I anyway. used to live there. I know you did, J.K.O. <laughs> Even our crappy dollar slices here in New York City uh, are better than other states and puts it to shame. Don't tell Jeff Morrow from the Food Network, though, because he's from Chicago also. Why does New York-style pizza reign supreme? Well, some would say it has everything to do with our tap water. Let's see if that's true or not. We'll find that out. But first, I'd like to welcome our listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate, uh, again, here from New York City. Not since the opening of the High Line in 2009 has there been as much fanfare and buzz over the latest, newest development in New York City. But in terms of big, this is colossal. When the sprawling $25 billion Hudson Yards complex was unveiled last Friday, it will mark the official start. It actually marked the official start of the transformation of Manhattan's west side on the way to perhaps becoming the new epicenter of New York City's commerce, retail, restaurants, and housing. Last Friday's event, its grand opening rather, celebration was attended by the officials from Hudson Yards developers, uh, related companies, and Oxford Properties Group, as well as public officials, that included live performances and inaugural walks on the vessel with notable New Yorkers uh, and attendees. I have to say, I was there, and I have say, never seen—I've never seen a real estate crowd in my life like Friday night, I, whatever day that was. Friday Amazing. night, it was absolutely unbelievable. And an interesting fact to it, I saw on Instagram yesterday, related is complaining about everybody who's taking pictures of the vessel, and they put out a statement saying that those pictures belong to the related companies not to the individual people who snapped the shots because mm-hmm. <clears throat> Instagram was wild with vessel photos. It's part of the purchase agreement when you buy a ticket to the vessel right. is that all of your photos belong to related companies Seriously? and they can use them at will. Yes, it's a copyright violation technically to take a photo of the vessel and post That's it. That's absolutely correct. That's insane. That's 100% correct, but they should have thought about that before you have 10,000 brokers in New York City come to a place that want to see the vessel, right? So what are they well, doing about all the photos? I don't know what they can do. Uh, I, I wonder if they can stand up in court, though, if someone wanted to pursue that. I, at this, at, right. At, oh, at this point, I don't really think that it yes. can. But look, this is what I read yesterday, and I sort of laughed out loud because I thought, hmm, related, you should have thought about that up front. Right. I mean, I mean you know that's just silly. There, there's no way to there's no way to regulate that. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I mean, chase them. Good luck. But literally, every time I look at Instagram, there's another picture of the vessel and 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 the rest of the complex, but mostly the vessel. It's quite yes. amazing. Anyway, also in the news, spring is just around the corner, which can only mean one thing: the New York City real estate market is about to pick up and quickly. And of course, that can only mean one thing for real estate gawkers: it's time to look at the many many apartments that will be hitting the market in the next few months. Across approximately 30 developments, there are architect design buildings and apartments in some of the city's most anticipated mega-projects. It's a lot to take in, and as always, if we missed anything, the tip line is right this way. Embattled hedge fund uh, person uh, Steve Cohen has found a buyer for his $33.5 million East Villa- West Village condo, and unlike his penthouse at One Beacon Court, which has lingered on the market for six years, This deal took only 35 days. Wow. Cohen, the founder of Point72 Asset Management LP, listed the triplex at 320 West 12th Street in early February. Records show Cohen paid $23.4 million for the pad in 13, so that's a $10 million profit. Cohen is also trying to sell his duplex penthouse at One Beacon Place, 
which was initially asking $115 million in 2013. It was relisted this January at $45 million. What a come down with Douglas Elliman's Richard Steinberg. Cohen bought the 9,000-square-foot condo for $24 million in 2005. In 2013, Cohen's hedge fund, SAC Capital, pleaded guilty to inside trading and agreed to pay a $1.2 billion fine. Welcome to the club. Anyway, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. So we're here today with the panel. We don't have any guests today, so it's going to be a wonderful conversation with my esteemed panel. Um, Jordan Shea is here from Douglas Elliman. Ari Harkoff is on his way from Halstead. Jay Overby from Halstead. And Anna Shagaloff from Halstead. So we've got uh, not a bro show today, but we've got a Halstead show today. Isn't that something? Jordan. <clears throat> and, Halstead and, and Jordan. And Jordan. Well, he's our, he's our pet Halstead person anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's <laughs> our pet. <laughs> At least it's not a salamander. It'll be fine. It's, not a, well, it's a leopard gecko. Not it a is salamander. gecko, but it was scary. I mean, it was it is a, not scary. We were petting that thing, and I'm like, what? No, no. I think it was cute. <laughs> when is she Fluorescent yellow I think, is not the color of a And pet. his tail is purple. For anyone listening, I have a, a, I have a, year, a year and four month old gecko that I got for my kids for Christmas. He is about eight inches long, about an inch wide. and See, I didn't uh, know it was yours. I and thought his, you found Oh, no. It, he lives in my house <laughs> with me and my children and my husband. Okay. And he's very, very sweet, and I highly recommend it. And the easiest thing in the world to care for. I pay. <laughs> <laughs> Check out my IG, and you'll see a nice little I think video. He could be your mascot. I mean, that that that. Oh, he's amazing. He's going viral. His name is Max. Max. Okay, so Max has. Okay, a, the we'll last talk about Max. I saw was in Tulum, and every morning we'd find him in the fruit bowl. Oh. <laughs> and my friend would say, "Oh, but that's okay. He's not doing anything." And I'm like, "Well, he's taking a bite of the apple. What do you mean he's not doing anything? <laughs> he's taking a bite of the apple. Why do you think he's there? <laughs> exactly. Mine just eats worms. Yeah. Better. <laughs> Anyway, let, back to real estate. <laughs> let's talk about the story. So when news broke in January, this past January, that Ken Griffin bought the a $238 million penthouse at 220 Central Park South, the transaction didn't just set a record for the company, for the city's rather most expensive penthouse. It also renewed interest uh, of a tax bill, a Pieter tax bill that's been floating around city New York government here for a while. Elected officials are eyeing a yearly Pieter tax aimed at uh, apartments or houses worth $5 million or more. Now, some people are saying it should be $20 million, $50 million or more because we have lots of those properties. Shout out to Amelia Gerwitz who commented. Thank yeah. you. And so uh, these are not primary residents. Okay, so that's what a pied terre is. It's like a second home. It's like a vacation home in the city, whatever. The bill was first introduced in 2014 and blocked by the state Senate, but is now under consideration again. New York State's budget director mentioned it as a possible alternative to help fund MTA's fixes if marijuana legalization does not happen. Now, I mean, I've heard it all. So, in other words, if we can't legalize marijuana and if that doesn't pass city legislation, we then need to create this pied-a-terre tax. What does one have to do with the other? Precisely. That's and I wanted ridiculous. to ask you all well, what you think about that. And by the way... <laughs> they're looking for money. Beyond, beyond that, how does this type of tax hurt our business? Because it definitely hurts our business. One more thing. Every week we seem to be talking about something else hurting our business. Yeah, taking money out of our pockets. Um, I think that I'm kind of torn on it. I really need to spend a little bit more time thinking about it. But I I mean, at, I think at a certain level it kind of makes sense, but not $5 million. $5 million I believe is too low. The, like you said, Amelia yeah. said that it should be 20 or 50 I can't remember what exactly the number she said. But, I mean, that makes more sense because people in that category – certainly aren't going to, you know, uh, bark about, you know, a tax. But when you're in the $5 million category, I mean, that's the price of a home these days, no matter what, yeah. even even a, a permanent Correct. home in this town, if you're buying a certain size in a certain area. So to put a tax on that, I have to say, mm -hmm. is going to be uh, a little bit of a challenge for investors who now want to maybe not buy. Have they released percentages or anything? They have not. It's still in consideration <clears throat> and it's still part of uh, you know the, the the legislation that they're trying to come up with. But apparently this bill was floated around a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden it disappeared, and now it's back again. You know, you do something like someone buys a $238 million penthouse. Well, quite frankly, how many people are spending $238 million on anything? So that raises lots of red flags. And then the city government says, well, you know what? We need to tax that because we need to fix our subway system. 
But what I didn't understand is how or why the legalization of marijuana has anything to do with anything. That's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. And so they'll make lots of revenue on that if that does happen. Just budget deficits and, you know, I mean, the MTA loses money every year. And statistically, I mean, they keep losing money. Which I don't understand. Well, I do. do. More people do ride sharing, like you, via. They do Uber. They do Juno. They do things like that. A lot more people are now doing city bike. People are working from home more and more. Correct. And the monthly pass, while frankly the most efficient means of getting you through the turnstile, is actually a money loser because you can abuse the monthly pass. It's gone up. It's gone up. I, I've only been in the city. I'm new to the city. I've only been here like ten years, and it's it's gone from <laughs> new. dude. That's not new. I've gone from You're ninety native. when I when I was here. It was it was eighty nine dollars. Yeah. And in ten years now, it's one hundred and thirty. That's a, that is, and, and, for people, so and for people in our that's industry, so it's cheap. I mean, yeah. we're constantly. I mean, it's great. It's terrific. It's great. Yeah, it, 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 it's 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 a relative bargain when you really think about it. But you for know, us. you're you're dealing with the elements of, you know, the dirtiness and, and, and whatever else. However, it is the fastest dirtiness. way to get... It's grit. It's the, New York City. Sure. It's, oh, it's filthy, it's filthy and it stinks. Oh, but it does, but it's I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, how is, how is that subway ride here to the studio? Vince? Well, it didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I the train that moves underground, by the way. That's what the subway is. Uh, yeah. Listen, this, this is what they tell me. I haven't been on the subway this since... What they since tell me. Listen, I am in somewhat agreement with you. Right. When you look at the new seven train extension and of course the q train that's what the we train. that's the like standard the we should oh. have so you do I, know what the subway is i take that from union square up to 63rd street all the time when okay. i go show not my building dirty. absolutely it's, not it's nice and clean listen give I'm it not time a, give i'm it not time. a major germaphobe but you know what in the in the winter time you get on that train and all of a sudden you have the sniffles you're coughing your head hurts i mean there's all kinds it of builds oh, your immune system it makes you stronger Bia builds my immune system. Yeah, you can't. You're, you're always complaining about not being able to talk on the phone in your Via. Oh, God. So there's always something. Don't ask me about this morning. <laughs> anyway, 30 seconds. That means we got to go to commercial break. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. George Shea from Douglas Elliman, Ari Harkov from uh, Halstead, Jay Overby from Halstead, and Anna Shagalov from Halstead. Halstead. <laughs> Here we go. It's never really a bad time to be a landlord in New York City, except in the except the 70s, 
But now it appears to be an especially good time to own a New York City apartment building. And that means renters are in a tough spot. The indicators uh, used to gauge the health of New York City's real estate market are all pointing in the landlord's favor. Douglas Elliman's February uh, 2019 rental market report from Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens shows concessions have fallen for the second straight month after rising for 43 straight months. Vacancy is low and rents are continuing their upward trajectory. New leases are also declining, and that's a sign that landlords are getting better at lease renewal. He calls lease renewals the rental market's secret sauce that's contributing to a decline in vacancies. So are tenants more likely to renew these days because they see the market tightening and they want to avoid the hassle of finding a new apartment and paying for the move that they really don't want to pay for and because the sales market is still too high? So I have seen a shift in uh, in uh, the rental market in the last couple of months myself. Not quite sure I understand what's going on with it because I still don't understand what's happening in the sales market. What are you seeing out there for rentals? I mean, is it is it you know people are sticking with their current leases because they feel like the sales prices are still not down enough, or are they just are feeling lazy that they don't want to start up moving again and they'll they'll take an increase from their landlord because well it's just easy. Uh, I'm finding. Generally, if they don't need more space, they're staying put. They don't want the hassle of moving. Um, some folks, some folks think that you know, as we know, happens is that we haven't hit a bottom, um, and I'm, I don't necessarily agree with that. But um, so I find, with my experience, is that most people are staying put unless they need to grow to a three bedroom um, from a two mm-hmm. or a two bedroom from a one for for perhaps family reasons. But are you finding though that even that's true, and I and I agree one hundred percent with that. But are you finding though that they're still kind, even though they might need to make that upgrade in size, you see, are you seeing rather that they are still sort of toughening it out a little bit? Oh, one more year, we'll kind of double up the kids or or whatever you know needs to happen. Are you set? Because I've I've been seeing a little bit of that, like all right, this may not be the year, so we can kind of sacrifice in what we have, but maybe a year from now things get better on the on the sales side and. We'll, uh, we'll make a move or we'll make a move to a bigger rental. So the in-between approach is to extend for one year and within six months, you're looking for a home. I have a couple of clients that are doing that because that gives you a good, a, a good zone, right? Or maybe within eight months. Right. Um, and that way they get you know acclimated to the market. And you know if they find the right place within about four months, uh, and then there's always the opportunity of perhaps extending month to month um, you know, if they're yeah, going through that a process. Lot of those. I'm seeing a lot of short term and a lot of month to months yep. while people look. And it, there's a lot of renters out there looking and keeping their eye on real estate. Yeah. And, and to, to that point, landlords, because of what has happened in the past, which you referenced, are more likely to be more flexible because they still feel a little bit stung by the previous market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, landlords who were traditionally giving or yeah. allowing two-year leases now are really doing one year and, and you know, hard stop. That's it, one year. And obviously, or for obvious reasons, that after that one year, there's an opportunity to increase that rent yet again if you do two years and they're going to sit back and say, well, you know, I got to wait two years to give him another $100 increase, $50, whatever the number is. So I'm seeing a lot of that. It's 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 kind of interesting but I do also see movement, and we'll talk about that later, in the sales market more so than we mm-hmm. have seen before. Mm-hmm. And I'm declaring it, you know, pretty okay. I mean, I think I had an open house on Sunday, uh, and for the first time in a very long time, I had 14 people come through. Now, you know, gone are the wow, days nice. of 25 wow. people. But 14 people, I was like, whoa, this really is good. success. You know, this is really kind of good. How are you Absolutely. priced on that particular property? <laughs> you want You saying he's underpriced? I don't know. What's priced, your strategy there? Priced then? well. <laughs> Clearly. Priced well. Look, I, I was I was more shocked than anybody else. <laughs> but we'll take it. You we know, brought right? your book, you were ready, you know. I brought my yeah, book out of my iPad as I was yeah. moving, so I was ready to read the news and whatever else I was doing, and I didn't open it once. So we, it we hope to hear we hope to hear about a bidding war soon. Let's see from your your mouth to God's ears, <laughs> as they say. All right, New York City's real estate is full of quirks and anomalies. Of course, we know that, but nothing makes uh, this as clear as the mansion tax, which kick. Here we go again with taxes, which kicks oh in when you buy an apartment for a million dollars or more in New York for one percent of the purchase price. This state tax, which went into effect in 1989, applies to single-family homes, condos, or co-ops. The tax has never been adjusted for inflation, and since one million dollars today doesn't buy you anything. 
I mean, Bay Area studio or a small one bedroom. Uh, for the moment, Manhattan buyers are more likely to end up, you know, in a small apartment for a million bucks. So how does this affect first time buyers? Now, you know, we all know that first time buyers are stretching more than not to buy their first apartment whether it's a condo or co-op, you got to have a lot of financials behind you to pass. Mm -hmm. How are they dealing with, you know, I hear complaints about mansion tax all the time and lowering the purchase price under, you know, the, the, the clip level so that they can avoid paying that. What are you guys seeing with mansion tax out there? And by the way, why hasn't, second question, why hasn't it increased to at least, my opinion, $5 million? $5 million. yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to say that the hysteria does not match the reality. And what I mean by that is that, People get so excited. You guys see this all the time. Real estate? No. No, but right. I mean, people get so worked up about the mansion tax. Like we're going to go over a million dollars. I mean, I, you know, it's it's not anything to sneeze at, but it's one percent. Right. And if they have good representation, if they're smart, they could get the you know the 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 seller to maybe split it with them. I mean, if something is valued at over a million dollars, what what if it is one one? The comps say it's worth that. Um, so I find a lot of hysteria. I mean, to put things in perspective. <laughs> Spending a million dollars is still a lot of money, sure. and to, to to fork over an additional ten thousand and make that work, then on top I of mean, all your other on, closing people. costs, These so are, it's not just that; it's everything. Think else. Think about what kind of problems those really are. Right. I mean, I it think. goes back to the whole nonsense around the Pierre-Terre tax. I mean, when you think That's about a real estate transaction between seller and buyer in New York City, there's ten to twelve percent in frictional costs. It's an enormous amount of money. You Absolutely. Know? So. I think the thing about the million dollars is it's more a psychological barrier than it right. is a 100%. financial or rational. One hundred percent. It's absolutely you're right, Ari. I mean, it, it's it's more that, especially in new developments, where I'm seeing a lot of negotiations because you know the new development sales have not been as robust as they used to be, where nothing was picked up by the sponsor or the developer. Today, you know, they're picking up mansion tax, they're picking up New York City state and uh, uh, local tax. I mean, you know, they have to make concessions because but lots of them they're giving under- they're giving years of monthlies for free. They're giving. Right. Storage units, but it's yeah. interesting because this Pieta, the Pieta, well, that's another thing. But but this mansion tax situation has been, you know, a hot button for a long time. And honestly, you know, the way they're crabbing about, you know, the the Pieta-Ter tax now, it, it almost makes sense why they don't want to raise the the mansion tax mm-hmm. from one million to five because they they lose, you know, lots of revenue in between. So, but I think it should be. I mean, it only makes sense to to make it a five million dollar taxable amount. Mm-hmm. And if you want to start taxing Pieta Terres, that should be $20 million. I mean, yes. maybe it should just adjust for inflation. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, from like from yeah. 89, well, do the inflation rate. That's where we start. And that's where we keep going every year adjusting. That's, that's asking the government to give up yes. money, which will never happen. And to be rational and yeah, yeah do math. It's, it's just, gonna it's just a simple <laughs> Excel <laughs> formula. <laughs> we can do it today. Like there's a <laughs> website. You if know, if if they're counting dollars. It doesn't work right, in New no. York City politics. Trust me. Yeah. Common I'm, sense yeah. analytics. I mean, do the math. I mean, oh, come on. Please, no. They're, they're afraid yeah. of what the result is going to be. They're counting change. That's it. But the interesting change. thing is like when you talk about first-time buyers, so we're doing this with a couple of our buyers right now, the profile of many first-time buyers in New York City is high income but low liquidity because they're making a lot of money, but they're young, so they haven't you know saved a lot of assets because it's a high-cost area. So Correct. you know, in a lot of the deals we're doing, talking about the soft new development market, we're actually nego- negotiating for the sponsor to pay not just transfer mansion tax, but all of the closing costs, 100%. So literally the only cash out of pocket for the buyers is the down payment. And the sponsor gets the added benefit of having a higher recorded sales price. So they win, the buyers win, they get a nominal increase in their monthly payment, but it's not significant. Very right. smart, Ari Harkov. <laughs> so Ari, I want to know, are your developers doing but that? It is. Uh, it depends on the price. So, yeah. um, you know, we're, we, uh, right now I'm literally doing a deal with a 6% concession, which is the max a bank will allow. Right. And so the buyers are buying a place for one, three, and they're getting a 70 ish thousand dollar concession yeah. at closing. So they literally are not writing a check with the exception of the down payment. When you think oh. about that and Jay, you and I were in new developments way back when they started. And we, we remember clearly when, you know, developers were like, you don't want it. Don't take it. There's 20 people behind you online. Yep. To pick that up. And now today, you know, you try and explain this to buyers. They look at you like, well, that was then. This is not today. So I don't really care what you're saying. But Ari's point is right. I mean, we I, I have the same thing in the development that I've been working in for the past 18 months. I mean, it's it's almost like we're giving away more than the candy store. We're giving away everything. And so they're not writing a check at closing other than, you know, their initial down payment or their attorney fee. And that's it. The beauty of that, though, is that new developments are a longer term thing. So if the market shifts upwards and they can capture those higher prices. Correct. 
win for everybody. They get yeah. a high recorded sales price, which is good for the buyers when right. they go to resell because Absolutely. it shows that they bought it for more. The sponsor, yep, yep. if they're still closing units, get a, gets a high recorded sales price. They get to leverage more yeah. for the buyers. I mean, it's a win for everybody. I, I mean, Eventually, they, they can win, win it out. Everybody. You're, exactly. you're touching on one of the best buying opportunities in the market right now. That is it. Yes. It's a new development, especially developments that have been on the market for you know a year or so. Hundred percent. The best ever. All right, we are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We're going to continue on the other side of the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now... Back to the show. Okay. Back with the panel. So, whether you're looking to buy or rent a home, uh, or you're um, or you're an agent trying to sell one, pulling up listings to browse on your phone or tablet is the norm these days. I think everybody searches for listings. No more just on your work computer, but home computer, but on your on your devices. Websites make it easy for anyone to view inventory and see what's available. Yesterday, I freaked out because StreetEasy had some kind of an upgrade, and every one of my listings, nine listings, dropped off of StreetEasy. I'm like, oh, my God. What in the world is going on here? So, of course, all of the sellers, everybody's up in arms. It's like, wait a minute. Monday. Have to have my coffee. <laughs> I forget my coffee. <laughs> I'm sure that worked well for you. Leave me alone. It's like, come on already. <laughs> anyway, along with the photos and detailed descriptions of the properties, you can find Tax information, purchase history, school information, which we as brokers are not allowed to discuss, uh, school ratings, and other neighborhood info. That kind of technology keeps you informed without having to do a thing, allowing you to instantly, you the buyer, get notifications about new properties and listings that fit your criteria in your neighborhood, in your buildings, however your search criteria is set up. So my question to all of us as agents is, has this affected our business or how does it affect our business? I mean, sort of a two-prong answer. I think it definitely has affected the business. Uh, we're at a point now where you don't need an agent to find a listing or schedule a visit or go see a property. But the thing that most buyers understand now, even very sophisticated buyers, is all the information that's available to them. They don't know how to synthesize it or interpret it or understand it. So it's a lot of information coming to them. They have the data, but they don't know how to sift through it. And it's still fundamentally a highly emotionally charged transaction that is very difficult for them to manage on their own. So, I mean, I, we have you know, hedge funders and all the rest of it, you know, masters of the universe clients who are still fundamentally at the end of the day saying, okay, I went to this open house, I saw this property, now what do I do? 
they don't know how to negotiate. They cannot negotiate. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unbiased. Mm-hmm. No. 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 It, they yeah, cannot. they can't be objective about objective, their own. Um, yeah, their own emotionally charged purchase. It's and and the buyers are out there, sort of on their own. And then, of course, when you get to a certain point, they say, "Well, I'm going to tell my broker that I was here because blah 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 blah." So you know, gone are the days where the broker. I mean, it still happens where the broker will send their buyers some listings if they're not available or if you know the the buyer wants to go out on their own. But now they're doing the searches and they're coming up with their listings and they're going to open houses. I had a bunch of that this past Sunday. And at the end, thank you very much. I really like this. I'm going to tell my broker about it. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of. Where did that come from? There's a lot of broker coming in like halfway through. I mean, I'm always okay with that. I'm fine with that. Whatever it is, it is, as long as the deal gets done. But deal is a deal. Exactly. But, but there's but a lot of pushback for people that are not okay, and a lot of people are not. No, okay. there are. But but again, you know, the point of the story is there's so much access to every listing out there, regardless of where you're looking, and simply on your phones. I mean, I, I see people on on the trains looking at certain sites, uh, and 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 in via cars, you know, looking at listings. It's like amazing. And I'm thinking, to and myself, on the Q train, <laughs> of course, on the Q train. But I'm thinking, you know, but but the, you're at work. You're supposed to be working. What are you searching for apartments for? Hire an agent. Oh, people are then, so into real estate porn; it's ridiculous. I mean, you don't have to be an agent. You don't have to be in the business. Everyone is interested in real estate. I mean, I'm constantly on the dirty subways listening to people talk about, you know, and there's that that element of, do I give them my card? <laughs> you know, do I jump into that <laughs> yes, conversation? The, the, the success but of everywhere. this show, everybody wants to hear about all these yeah, wonderful yeah. $238 million penthouses. Where, on the, where in the world else would you find that other than in New York City? And we haven't even talked about pizza yet. So... <laughs> It's true. Real estate porn is crazy, but it's, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's something to do, but it's, it's really amazing how now it's so easy. You can do it on a street corner on your phone and find what you're looking for. All right. So do you take feedback from buyers and pass it on to the seller, whether you're the listing seller's agent or just the buyer's agent? Do you take feedback that you get sometimes from your buyers after you show an apartment and either call the listing agent and give it to them or Tell the seller directly if you're the listing agent, because I think that is important. When I was reading Very this the other day, important. I said, half the time, I believe, you know, sellers aren't, you know, making the right decisions because we are not informing them of the right information. Yeah. Even if they don't want to hear it. No, I think it's important. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it is a chore, though, right? It's hard getting that feedback. It's amazing. Sometimes silence speaks for itself. Hard work. But, but it's, it's gold. Um, we don't look like this on purpose. Yeah, no, it's gold for, for, for sellers. <laughs> we get beat up all the time. And it's important, right? If you have a seller that's a little aggressive on their price, uh, you need to get feedback from those brokers or from those buyers. You always have to give the feedback. Uh, in some cases, you might have to tailor it and cushion it a little bit. Not tailor it, but cushion it so cushion it. so the so the blow isn't so hard. Right. It's either in quotes or it's yes, an exactly. anecdote. It's Sometimes either literally or you anecdotes. have to edit it. But yeah. I got a question, though. Do you wait? Because uh, I don't really request feedback necessarily until I've been on for maybe two weeks, three weeks, when we've had a very nice honeymoon period and we have an, a great influx of new traffic. And then once traffic starts to dip a wee bit, then I want to know what, what the actual real market feedback is. I mean, that's my approach to it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of I, like... I think you're right, because you're not going to go for a price decrease before no. two or three weeks anyway. But in terms of offering unsolicited feedback, I figure if the broker wants to know... They'll ask, yeah. 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 We're, we're pretty busy as it is. Very yeah. Brokers must understand the seller's motivation. So more for listing agents, and we're all listing agents here. We need to understand what the seller's motivation is. I need to sell. I want to sell. Oh, I could wait a little bit. Or oh, I'm waiting till I get the price that I really want. All of those things factor into, first of all, how you price a, a, a listing. And second of all, what your marketing strategy is. If somebody says to you, well, you know, I, I'm not really with a gun to my head. I, I'd like to sell, but I don't want to sell until I get the right price. Or... We're going to sign a contract on something brand new. We need to sell this as quickly as possible. So where then is more play for a buyer? Obviously, it's in scenario two, right? The buyer has already bought something. They got to go. So agree. I mean, seller's motivation really helps us as agents with pricing and also with our marketing strategies. I mean, we've got to know where their head is. uh, And everybody is completely different. And, and as a buyer's broker, you need to know what questions to ask of the seller's broker. And to Ari's point before on, you know, buyers looking without agents, they're not going to know to ask those questions. That's part of the, you know, being unversed in um, 
or poorly versed in in representing yourself. You don't know how to ask those questions, and that is a huge factor in negotiation. Right, and as Jay said before, you know, they're, they're not always easy conversations, but these are conversations that you got to have. You know, listen, you got to be direct with the seller. Why are you selling? You know, yeah. and and people agents don't want to do that. And there's another we're going to say. All right, many agents try to buy listings by promising aspirational prices. I mean, believe it or not, in this particular marketplace, which is question, questionable at, at best, brokers are still pricing incorrectly or aspirational pricing just because they want the listing and they'll do whatever the seller wants to get it, right or wrong. Happens in every market. Every market. Yeah. Absolutely. We all have stories of losing listings and looking at it and saying, I wouldn't want it after they see the price. I just had that at 82 Irving. Yeah. Well, I the mean, beauty we, is in this market, they don't sell. They often come back right now. Well, yeah. the second or third the market agent is not rising up to their expectations. Right. Yeah. But Ari, do they understand that when they come out with this price to you or me or anybody and say, I want this price, even though we tell them this is not right? Do they understand that that's really some sellers not going to happen? Some sellers don't. And they the worst combination fine. is when the agent buys into the crazy pricing. And so you're actually arguing with the oh, agent right. who believes what the seller has told so, you. Yeah. That's the worst. So, thing. I mean, the fundamentals for all of us here are educating the seller as much as they possibly can on what the market is saying, what's on the market, what's closed, et cetera, et cetera. And my hope is in every one of those discussions that we get into an alignment on, okay, this is what the market is saying it's worth. But as you're saying, Ari, some people just won't listen to any of that. They have this perception of the value of their place and you just can't, you can't convince <laughs> like, them otherwise. You think about like everything in life is a bell curve, right? right. I've, never met, I've never met a couple who has an ugly, unattractive child who is unintelligent <laughs> as well, right? But someone's got to be everywhere in the bell curve, right? So it's the same for your home. Right. Everyone thinks that their home is at the tip of the bell <laughs> right. curve right. and it's a white swan. You know what I'm finding bars. though? You know what I'm finding is that some of my buyers are actually increasing their budget in order to highly negotiate, To I mean, to, to offer, to lowball. So the ones that are overpriced are still getting action. Or at least, you know, from a lot of the buyers that I'm seeing, they're at least willing to look at it because they're they're happy to lowball it. I'd say within ten percent, yes. When they're more than ten percent off, it's it's cricket. Right. I've, I've exactly. done a couple of deals that are significantly off market ask. More than ten percent. More than ten percent. Yeah. Unusual. I, I had a case recently where I told the seller, and I don't mm -hmm. take aspirational pricing. I mean, I just kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. Period, and walk away. Mm -hmm. However, I did take one that was a little more priced, a little higher than. This is at the end of last year, <clears throat> four months ago, five months ago, a little higher than it should have been. And I had given the seller the price that it should be. No, 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 absolutely not. Bup, 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 no. Two offers come in, I don't know, after two or three weeks, and they are dead right on the number that I gave the seller. So what does the seller say to me? You told them to come in at that number because that's what you wanted to price the apartment at. <laughs> Excuse me, that's <laughs> not how I work. This is what the market demand. Well, did they take it? Of course they took it. That's the price of the apartment. But you're you getting, can't add $50,000 to that. But you're going back to the most important point here is feedback, feedback, feedback. It's Absolutely. either feedback from the outset with your comps and then it's feedback immediately. Like I would tell, the, I tell those individual buyers, prospective buyers or brokers say, great, if you're going to put an offer in, do it, please justify it with whatever, whatever comps Absolutely. so I can bring that to the seller. Absolutely. And, and, and that's right. That's the right way to do it. And, but the problem with that sometimes these days is the comps are not really there to support either the seller or us because they're just so yes. all over the place these days. It's hard to to come up with the right number. They need to be compelling. Correct. And sometimes they are. It depends on what it is, where it Agreed. is. What is the market pulse for resale versus brand new? So brand new in this case being new development. What is the pulse? Where are people, you know, we know in, in the past people more migrated to brand new because everybody wants to be the first. Everybody wants to be the first husband or wife or whatever. But... What's the pulse today between both markets, resale and 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 brand new? I'm seeing a resurgence in resale, not brand new. Even though I see brand new picking up, I see a little bit, you know, skewed to the resale side. I think the problem is if you look in every submarket, the brand new pricing is so out of whack with the resale pricing that there's a very small segment of buyers who both can afford and right. are willing to pay brand new pricing. Right. So, you know, if you look at brand new pricing in West Chelsea that's in the low to mid 2000s a foot, even if it comes down 20% and it's around 2000 a foot, I can buy a nice resale for 1600 a foot. So Renovate it just, it to your taste. Right. It just yeah. doesn't yeah. make, it's so out of whack. And then you add in the other layer, which is you still have legacy 
new developments from 10, 15 years ago, particularly in the outer boroughs that are still coming in with tax abatements that exist and all the new construction is coming in with incredibly high carry. Because they started with 20, 25 year tax abatements, right? Yeah, in some cases or even 10 to 15 years and they you know, came out in the late aughts or whatever, 2007, 2008. Yeah. And so they still have tax abatements in place. I mean, a lot of our buyers right now will buy the apartment and a new construction, but they won't pay the taxes and, and the carrying costs. It's, it's out of control. I mean, a two-bedroom apartment is five thousand for the carry. It does. It's like I, I can rent a two-bedroom apartment for five thousand. Yes, you can without the LA of cash. Um, so I think that's a big issue right now, and I think a lot of developers don't really get that because they look at you know, okay, I came mm-hmm. down ten percent, but it doesn't matter. You're still thirty percent above the resale product. I agree with that. So to your point, Ari, the new development oversupply is hitting Brooklyn now too. Is that correct? Correct. It's hitting every submarket. It's hitting every Absolutely. submarket, right? Yeah. But 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 you guys in Brooklyn were really. Uh, burning hot for the longest time. I still think you're doing better. Brooklyn than is are. doing significantly better than Manhattan, but right. everything is relative. Right. Everything is relative. All right, we've got to take a break. This is uh, Good Morning New York live from Blast Off Productions here in New York. We'll come back for segment four right after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We're back with uh, Jordan, Ari, Jay, and Anna. So $3,000 a square foot, is that mythical or is that reality? And I don't, I mean, it, it could be any borough because as we talked about a little <laughs> bit ago, I mean, everything is priced about the same these days, no matter where you want to go. So is that a mythical price or is that, I mean, it exists in some price. place. Well, <laughs> it's sure. limited to very small it's niche. Very niche. Yeah. 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 Very small very niche. niche, very, you know, specific one, building, specific location. Almost a one of a kind product. Very specific yeah, yeah. buyers. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be the non-New Yorker, non-real estate agent. So what could you buy for $3,000 a square foot and where? 
so I, would say, yards I would say you could one. buy the best quality new development in the best locations, or you could buy a phenomenal unit in a secondary new development location. Like you could buy a penthouse in a Hudson Yards type project, or you could buy a 70 Vestry, you know, standard unit, but it's very limited to like the most premier buildings, most premier locations. I haven't seen 70 Vestry. Is it a nice, a nice building? Yeah. I, I hear it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also depends on the units in that building, like a 277 fifth. The further right. you go up, True. you get over Correct. Like a penthouse. Yeah. Well, that kind of stuff. I can get that. But, you know, well, your quality. typical apartment, wherever it is, Very few buyers building. paying 3000 yeah. but, but, I mean, that's Especially but, in this market. But I want to remind you, you and I had this conversation back in 2004, Ooh. 2005. What a Ooh. memory. We, when we had Brown Hair Stevens in presenting to us 15 Central Park West, and we were talking about uh, entry prices at eighteen, seventeen hundred a square foot, and some of them going to two thousand. We looked at each other and said, two thousand a square foot? That is effing crazy." When we were, when I was blending at the time, and you know, why didn't we buy? I have no idea. I, I don't, I don't know. But that's a very good point. I, I do remember that. And well, look at that building. I mean, it not only took uh, off; it, it just went screaming to the finish line. They undersold it. They, they undersold they it. They absolutely left undersold money it. on the table. And by the way, well, we all know what the resale prices per square foot are in that building through the years. I mean, double the pricing, triple the pricing, sometimes quadruple the pricing. Anyone who purchased in that building, that's a great example, Jay. Anybody who purchased in that building, beyond out of control. Future for profits. I mean, just amazing. Oh, yeah. So someday, sometime soon, not so sure. I always <laughs> say nothing surprises me in New York City where real estate is concerned. So someday, is that possible? Absolutely. I think right now, talk about aspirational pricing, $3,000 a square foot. But then, you know, some people just don't shake their head at, and say, oh, it is what it is. But I can't imagine $3,000 uh, $3, a foot for, say, your typical 1,000 square foot, one bedroom or two bedroom, whatever. You're starting at $3 million. Mm -hmm. I mean, hello. Well, that's and the I, thing. The absolute nominal well, pricing. Tax. I mean, it's it's just insane. How many people are going to buy a $3 million one-bedroom apartment? Well, I, that, right. How exactly. many people are buying a $6 million two-bedroom apartment? Not it's that. Not very, that. Very, yeah, very, 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 very tiny niche of the market. Exactly. And that's not a niche. We don't make a lot of money because yes. we don't do a lot of transactions. Right. Exactly. So we want good pricing. All right. So here we go. New York City has the best pizza in the country and mm -hmm. many would argue <laughs> in the world. Sorry, Jay, but Chicago deep dish hey, pizza. I don't know. I'm from here originally. But by the way, <laughs> but by the way, listen, I did do a sit in Chicago and I love it, but, but I'm I, from here originally. I know you do, but listen, <laughs> I happen to love deep dish pizza and I make it all the time, but why is pizza in and let me tell you something. I was in Italy a couple of years ago and out of all the places we tempt, attempted to try pizza, only one place had decent pizza. The rest of it was just, yeah, okay. it's a lot of dough and a little plunk of cheese in the middle. It's, right. It's, it's the, yeah. They, it, they, don't, it, they don't make it the way New Yorkers do. It's not exceptional. It's, <laughs> it's not. not. So why is our New York City pizza? I mean, I go to Connecticut. Some visit my brother sometimes. He says we're going to order in pizza. I'm like, do we really have to? <laughs> why is it so much better here? I mean, we we josh about it, but it's the truth. New York City is known for pizza, and as much as we are all real estate fanatics, I think when we decide we want to eat pizza, which I think is going to be my first meal back. I, why is it so fantastic in New York City? What, what what's the deal? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, people say is the water. The wa people the say water? the water. Um, I I mean, who knows? It's just delicious, and I can't eat it anymore, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm not eating it either lately. But uh, I, 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 the gluten free version. Come on, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just as good. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. gluten free wink, pizza wink. has come a long way. It has come a long way. It has. Really come a long has. way. See, it it has. not so bad though. It's I right love gluten free pizza yes. on the Upper West Side too, Vince. There's a great yes. spot. Fumo. It's not, amazing. It is Fumo good, but it's has a really good one on the Upper West Side. Fumo does. It's amazing. I actually had it by mistake. I've had it a couple of times, but the last time I had it was by mistake. I didn't realize. It was gluten-free, and it was – I didn't even realize it was really good. Yeah. So, look, with our pizza legacies, we all have to at least give a shout-out to our favorite spots. Like, mine was always the Rays on 6th Rays. Avenue oh down in the Village. Yeah. That was the late-night spot well, for me. Amazing. I mean, that's that's incredible. The best pizza that I've ever had is in Great Neck, Long Island. Really? <laughs> Gino's Pizzeria. Gino's the is the best. You've been to Gino's? It's No fantastic. way. It is the best. I grew up on it. Which, do you it's like the grandma pie? Well, I, no, well, the, the stuffed sure. the, the stuffed eggplant pizza is mm -hmm. ridiculous. There you but just a regular again. pizza. It's amazing. <laughs> 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 Listen, 
Listen, have they have all kinds. We we have a great place on the Upper West Side called Little Italy, and it's like really incredible. Did you have the yes. one on Broadway in, I don't know, 92, 93, yes. whatever? I mean, it's Correct. That's good. I can't find really. You have to really search hard. The point of this is you got to really search hard to find a bad slice of pizza in this town. I mean, everybody makes it differently. Everybody, Some people make it better than others. But uh, I'm also grooving these days on um, cauliflower crusted. Oh, that I love. Oh, so wow. good. So good. So yeah. I'm almost like addicted <laughs> to that more than, than having no? regular gluten-free. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's gluten-free. It's carb-free. I buy the gluten-free one. Wow. It's amazing. New yeah. to me. Thank yeah. you. Tip yeah. of the day. Or some pesto and shrimp. You're yeah. done. Oh, delicious. Oh, now you're getting me really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. I'm getting scared. Angela will appreciate that. <laughs> Little Parmesan cheese. No, seriously. Gluten-free. I'm they serious. Angela will love that. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, so anyway, pizza in this town is phenomenal. It's better than anywhere else. I do like Chicago pizza. I'm just joshing. And I do make deep dish pizza when my nieces and nephews come by sometimes. I mean, it's like a wonderful Wait. thing. You put it in a skillet and you just... Yeah, you got to sleep for days, though, after you eat that. It's yeah, so heavy. Yeah. Well, it's very heavy. Eesh. But if you think about just to touch on the water situation for a second, I mean, it could very well be that, it, considering that we drink tap water... I mean, I don't know if everyone at this table does, but I do. I love New York City tap water more so than any tap water I've had anywhere else in the world. Well, I was going to tell and you, the, the conclusion of that story is it is about the water. Oh, is it? It's is about it? the water. Our water here in New York City from reservoirs upstate, upstate. New York, are the. It, this is the best water supply in all of this area. Uh, oh, New York City's so water is the best. New York City has delicious water. It does. <laughs> it's such a... And I love the way you say that. It's delicious. And why do we have bottled water here? I don't drink bottled water. I drink it out of my tap. I put yep. it in the refrigerator and make it cold, and then I it, it is what it is. But uh, we do have the best water. But they've proven, and I can't remember the study. I actually saw this years ago, that uh, pizza here is great because of the water that we use here in the metropolitan New York mm. area, all fed from, again, upstate New York reservoirs. And I lived upstate New York, and we didn't use the water from those reservoirs. I don't know where ours came from, but not the ones that feed New York. And even my mom. I go to my mom's like this weekend. It's like her water is just okay. It might be well water. Hers might be well water. <laughs> she lives in a, well in a water. condo yeah. Uh, complex. Yeah, so, it, well, she's not making pizza. We buy the pizza, don't we go over there? But anyway, it, it, it it's not the same. It is about the water. We are getting the 30-second timeline, so Aww. we're done. That's our broadcast for today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to my guest and panel, as always. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And or the, the trees. Person, or the trees. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. You must, you've got to say that next week. Uh, and the only person you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.